This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. More than ever, I am super selective on how I spend my time, whether it's choosing which emails to read or how I get my continuing ed units. I want value for my time and efforts. I'm Shar Beauchart, and I bet you can relate. So when I say I get my CEUs from SpeechTherapyPD.com, just know their speech-language videos and pod courses are practical and totally worth it. And right now, you have the exclusive opportunity to pay less for the subscription than I did. <laughs> okay? Memorize this discount code. It's SHAR, C-H-A-R. Just go to SpeechTherapyPD.com, subscribe, and at checkout, type in what? SHAR, C-H-A-R. You get a $10 discount for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Do it now. It doesn't take long. SpeechTherapyPD.com. You and your speech kids will be glad you did. It's time well spent. Welcome to the Speech Link, brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Shar Beauchart, speech language pathologist, and I invite you to join us as we share practical strategies to take your therapy to the next level. We'll talk with experienced experts who have achieved extraordinary results and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Speech Link. I'm glad you're here. I'm Shar Beauchart, and ordinarily I do have a guest, but I have chosen to just talk about a speech sound that many of us have to deal with in our therapeutic lives, whether we're in the schools or private practice or hospitals or clinics, and that is working with the Errored S, and there's many different ways to pronounce that sound incorrectly. We're zeroing in specifically on the frontal S and the lateral S. Uh, it can also be omitted in words. It can also have a T sound for an S. So like instead of sip, it might be tip. But as I say, we're just choosing to talk about the two, the frontal and the lateral, because they are most frequently misarticulated in those ways. Now, before we begin, I do want to emphasize that we have a lot of information to cover in this hour of talking about the S sound. And also, you're not going to have the benefit of the visuals. So I'm going to try and use a lot of descriptive language and talk about what's touching what in my mouth and so on. And therefore, I'm hoping that you're in a position somewhere, maybe in your home or in the car, that you can actually think about your mouth and what it's doing and what it's not doing so that you can really focus internally, focus and feel, focus and feel, rather than looking at a schematic or a visual. I'd like you to turn your thoughts and your observations inward, 
really thinking about the tactile, you know, activity inside of your mouth and the proprioception that's going on inside of your mouth. What do you feel? As we talk about the S, we're going to talk about the appropriate one, how you actually do it. And then we're going to contrast with two of them, you know, the frontal and the lateral of how you actually shouldn't be doing it. And uh, then we're going to talk about some therapy. So we have several sections here. So hold on and let's begin. The title of this podcast, pod course, is Are the Same Techniques Used to Remediate a Lateral S and a Frontal S? And I'm not going to answer that right now, but I bet a lot of you say yes, that you do use the same techniques for both. And some of you are going to say no. I approach it in a totally different way for each one. Now, without totally giving you a full answer, and I certainly will do that, but I would like to say that I lean toward the first response. Why? Because we are working toward, no matter if it's a frontal, a lateral, an omitted, a T for an S, we are heading toward the same S speech sound production. We have a set of components, if you will, to produce an S sound. And no matter which direction we're coming from, a lateral or a frontal or whatever, we're heading toward that set, those components that you have to be able to do in order to produce the S sound. So when I refer to the S production, I'm talking physiologically. What do you actually do with your mouth in order to produce that S sound? And the sound, obviously, is the acoustic result. It's what you hear. Now, what I would like you to do, if you are in a place that you can do so, I'd like you to close your eyes and focus on your tongue and what you are actually doing with it when you make that S, that S sound. I'd like you to focus and feel. Go ahead and put your tongue in that position and make the S. Notice what it's touching And also, what had to move in order to get to that position to make that sound? Here's what I'm talking about. Find your tongue's resting position. I know your lips are probably closed, your jaw is quite elevated, your teeth should not be clenched together. But where's your tongue position? I bet it's somewhere toward the top. Not the whole thing, just the front fourth to third of the surface of the tongue is typically on the alveolar ridge, maybe part of the hard palate, and maybe your tongue is even postured a little bit more forward. That might even mean that you do a tongue tip down S. We'll talk more about a tongue tip down S here in just a few minutes. You've identified your tongue's resting position. Now I would like you to move from your tongue's resting position into your S production. Notice what is moving. And notice also what is not moving. So you have there, you have mobilization and you have stabilization. Coming from resting position and going to the placement of the speech sound is a wonderful way to discern movement of a speech sound. If we just look at the placement, like where it is, (laughs) then we kind of forget and we don't address and realize that speech is all about movement. We talk about and we try and get speech placement with our speech kids, but, but I'm mostly concerned about the movement aspect of speech. 
And to really get a sense of that, do your resting position and then move from that position into the speech sound and you can discern what is holding on and what is actually moving. So to focus on the S sound, did you first of all notice that your jaw actually moved? Did you notice that your jaw lowered ever so slightly and rotated forward ever so slightly? There's a reason why it's doing that. And what it's doing is trying to generate what's called anterior dental approximation, which just means your front top teeth and your bottom top teeth come in close proximity to one another. When your teeth are close together like that and air is coursing through, that gives you the hiss, okay? So that jaw is lowering and rotating forward for a really good reason. Now, did you also notice that your tongue stayed up within your dental arch? Now, what's your dental arch? You have two dental arches, a top and a lower, and it's where teeth are housed. So you have the arch. It's like a horizontal arch. I'm not talking palatal arch. That's the vertical one. The one that when you put your tongue up there and you do a tongue pop, okay, that's your palatal arch or your palatal vault. I'm talking about your tongue staying up within the dental arch. So it stayed up there, and I bet you stayed with the sides of your tongue on the sides of your teeth, and they just anchored and held on tight while the front part of your tongue lowered and sustained itself in space while air moved through. Okay, did you catch all that? So if you think of it in terms of stabilization and mobilization, your tongue is up within your dental arch, The lateral margins of your tongue are anchored, holding on to the insides of your top back teeth, while the front part of the tongue gently lowers and holds and and sustains itself in space while air moves through. I'd like you to really notice that. Now, I want to talk about those things. The sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth is actually called lateral margin stabilization. That is your tongue's external stabilization. It gives support to the front part of the tongue that lowers and sustains itself in space. Just think of that. So many of our kids can't even stick their tongue out in space, much less lower the front half of their tongue, hold on to that position, and force a bunch of air through a small space. Okay, so you have front tongue vertical movement. Now, right there, I want to say a couple of things. I want to open this up a little bit broader than just the S sound. In looking at speech sounds, consonant, lingual speech sounds, you have front tongue vertical speech sounds, which are t, d, n, s, z, sh, zh. All of those speech sounds require the front part of the tongue to move vertically to one degree or another, which means maybe a little itty-bitty bit of the tongue moves for a t, or maybe a whole lot of it moves for a sh. So more of the front part of that tongue moves down away from the roof of the mouth, the alveolar ridge, than does a t. There's there's just a smaller movement for a T. An S requires a bigger movement. But all of those front tongue vertical sounds require lateral margin stabilization to one degree or another. Every one of them. So, in therapy, wouldn't it be smart 
or prudent or I'm going to say essential to make sure that our kids have lateral margin stabilization, that their tongue is up within the dental arch and that the sides of the tongue are holding on for dear life while the front part of that tongue lowers to one degree or another to make that S sound or other front tongue vertical sound. It just makes sense. Well, you're probably thinking, well, okay, Beauchart, tell us how to do that. I will (laughs) in a few minutes. Hold on. There is another piece here that I want to talk about. You've got to know this piece because it relates to how the front part of that tongue moves vertically. Did you know? And maybe you do know, maybe you don't. But keep in mind that in order to move the front part of that tongue vertically, you have to contract the mid part of the tongue You've got to do it. There's no other way to move the front part of that tongue, to lift and lower it. Physiologically, you have to contract the mid part of your tongue. Now, if you have never heard of this, it's actually in the physiology literature, and they talk about what's called muscular hydrostats, like an elephant's trunk, or an octopus's arms, or insect tongues, or the human tongue. None of those things have an internal skeleton. So you ask yourself, how in the world do they move? In order for a muscular hydrostat to move, there has to be contraction of the adjacent part. In other words, if you want to lift and lower the front part of your tongue, you have to contract the adjacent part, which is the mid-tongue. This is critically important. Otherwise, you have a tongue that is moving on the horizontal plane, out and in, instead of front tongue vertical. And we call that a frontal S or a frontal lisp when the tongue moves horizontally. You see where we're going in therapy. Now let's do a brief review, and I want to add just a couple of other things. Okay. The jaw lowers and rotates forward ever so slightly. The tongue stays put up within the dental arch, The sides of the tongue stabilize on the insides of the top back teeth. It gets its lateral margin stabilization. The mid-tongue contracts into like a tongue bowl. I don't think I used that term, but mid-tongue contraction will work or a tongue bowl term will work. And that enables the front part of that tongue to lower or move on the vertical plane. So you have... The sides of the tongue that are anchoring and holding on externally. Also, here's another little piece. The mid-tongue contraction is anchoring and stabilizing the tongue internally as well. So that front tongue, while it's sustaining itself in space and the air is moving, that front tongue is totally anchored externally and internally. Okay? So you have the front part of that tongue that is sustaining itself in space, and then you add airflow, and the air flows through that constricted space created by the front part of that tongue that just lightly lowered, and the alveolar ridge, and air courses through that space, which is the first narrowing. But then you have the anterior dental approximation. Remember that? The front teeth that are coming in close proximity to one another, and that creates that second fricative placement so that that gives you the hiss that we all know and love. The bottom line is, no matter if the child is producing a frontal S 
or a lateral S or a T for an S or a an interdental S where that tongue is just chronically moving horizontally but not quite a frontal lisp, whatever, we are moving toward lateral margin stabilization, mid-tongue contraction, and front-tongue vertical movement. I, that's just what you have to do in order to generate a good S sound and also for it to move consistently and comfortably within co-articulated speech, connected speech, especially that lateral margin piece. It helps us to stabilize for the individual speech sounds, but also it helps us to move from speech sound to speech sound. It, quotes, helps us to keep our place. Okay, I know that sounds crazy. But think about your connected speech and feel the sides of your tongue and the sides of your teeth. It just stays there. That is your point of reference. Oh, that's so very important. Now, I mentioned a few minutes ago about a tongue tip down S. My belief is that a tongue tip down S is perfectly normal. I have no problem with a tongue tip down S. I want to contrast, compare and contrast, the difference between what's called a tongue tip up S and a tongue tip down S, okay? And first, let me say, a tongue tip up S does not mean that that tongue tip is pointing upwards. It just means that it's straight and it's not pointing downwards. All right, here's a tongue tip down S. Picture in your mind or feel within your own mouth the tongue up within the dental arch, but posture it a little bit more forward so that your lateral margin stabilization is more on your bicuspids than on your molars. You'll feel the front part of your tongue tipping down just a bit, maybe the blade of your tongue near the alveolar ridge, and even sometimes I've heard that some people feel the tip of their tongue anchors on the back of the bottom front teeth, that it's really tipping down, and they're getting that fricative arrangement, if you will, within that front area. So that narrowing, previously that we talked about between the front part of the tongue and the alveolar ridge, uh, it just happens a little bit more forward. Wonderfully, that tongue is still up within the dental arch and it's still getting its lateral margin stabilization, which is a good thing. I take exception when that tongue is lowered, it's at the horizontal midline, and the whole thing is moving horizontally, okay? That's what I have a problem. But if it's up within the dental arch and it's just postured a little bit more forward, ho-hum, big deal. Now, I've also used this placement, an alternative placement, when I have a child that has larger tonsils, and I'll be talking about that in a few minutes. Okay, let's shift gears. Let's move into the misarticulated productions. I think that you already have a sense as to what's going on with the frontal, that that tongue is moving horizontally instead of vertically, but let me refine it a little bit more. You have a tongue that is at the horizontal midline of the mouth. It's not up within the dental arch, and the whole tongue is moving horizontally. You do not have front tongue vertical movement. Obviously, they're not generating mid-tongue contraction. They're not getting a tongue bowl for that front tongue vertical movement. I'd like to throw out another term 
the tongue's operating zone. When that tongue is at the horizontal midline, it typically rests in that position as well. And that generates a comfortable or a familiar operating zone for the tongue. That's where resting postures comes in. See, when that tongue rests on top, then it's up there where lateral margin stabilization should be taking place. That changes the whole tongue's operating zone. So when the tongue is up on top, its operating zone is up there where it can get its good stabilization and mobilization. If it is resting at the horizontal midline, just not touching anything, basically, then chances are it's going to move horizontally. So that's why I recommend doing resting postures to get that tongue up within the good operating zone to get its stabilization mobilization. See? So I think it's safe to say for a child that has a frontal S or SH or CH or all, that that tongue is out of its primary operating zone. And we want to get the tongue up within the dental arch so that we can get stabilization mobilization. We also want to make sure that that tongue has the capability, the tonal capability, to generate mid-tongue contraction to get front-tongue vertical movement. So that you can get this sense up close and personal, I'd like you to do your good S and now do a frontal S and you can feel that difference. It's a whole different position in your mouth, a whole different plane of movement. All right, let's move into the lateral. So while you're focusing on your frontal, I'd also like for you to focus on your lateral. And let's pick that apart. <laughs> See what we need to do with a lateral and compare and contrast a lateral with a frontal as well. Okay, go ahead and do your best lateral S. <laughs> okay. It feels sort of slushy, slushy. Air is coming down either one side, either left or right, or both sides. So obviously, it has to do with stabilization mobilization. Here's the bottom line for a lateral S. The lateral's stabilization mobilization is backwards. Instead of the sides of the tongue anchoring on the insides of the top back teeth, the front part of the tongue anchors on the alveolar ridge, or right behind the alveolar ridge, or sometimes the whole mid-tongue elevates and stabilizes on the hard palate. Even sometimes the mid-back of that tongue elevates and stabilizes with the mid-back of that tongue where the juncture of the hard and soft palate is. It's elevated. With that different stabilization, that leaves the sides of the tongue down and for air to flow around. So their stabilization mobilization is different. Interestingly enough, a lot of lateral kids' tongues rest up on top. Their tongue is not down. Because every person is different, I can't legitimately say that every child that, that has a lateral S is going to have a lowered tongue position or an elevated tongue position. It just depends on the person. But for the most part, I have seen through the years their resting posture is pretty good. So that tells me that it's not a zonal thing. It's a use of stabilization mobilization thing. In addition, there may also be an oral difference. 
Uh, sometimes if you have a narrow dental arch, squishing the tongue up in there and getting bilateral stabilization isn't possible and isn't comfortable, and they can't do it consistently. So they elevate the front part of that tongue up and get their stabilization that way. So differences within the oral mechanism can impact resting position as well as your stabilization and your mobilization for your speech sounds. As we talk about specifics and differences within the oral mechanism and the respiratory system, as we move into this section, I really would like for you to think about the differences as they relate to the resting positions, which establishes the operating zone to generate your stabilization and your mobilization for your speech sounds, as opposed to thinking about differences within the oral mechanism and the breathing and so on in relationship to speech sounds. So think about the actual physiological piece of being able to get your stabilization and mobilization to generate the speech sounds. This kind of moves us into doing an oral mechanism exam. You know, why do we do an oral mechanism exam? It's not just to double check to make sure that all the parts and pieces are there. It is to look at how any differences that are there may impact the person's ability or capability to generate the speech placements. In other words, to get your stabilization and mobilization for the speech sounds and for connected speech. With that said, oral differences, breathing differences, seem to impact the S production more adversely than several other speech sounds. Let's take a look at some of these differences. Here's a list of some. You have tonsils, lingual frenum, palatal vault, the dental arch, dentition, as well as habits like thumb-sucking or excessive use of the pacifier. Those are just to name a few. So let's go through some of the ones that we see pretty frequently. The tonsils, when you have larger tonsils in a smaller pharynx, there is typically no room for the base of the tongue to retract and take up residence in the pharynx. It just depends on the size of the tongue, the length of the mouth and the throat and so on. So it's a space availability issue. So if you have a tongue that just naturally displaces forward because of larger tonsils in a smaller space, then I would typically do a tongue tip down S. That makes all kinds of sense. As far as a restrictive lingual frenum, there are those that say that a restrictive lingual frenum does not influence tongue mobility. Well, it certainly depends on where the frenum is connected and how far forward and how restrictive, how short. So we have learned that it is important for that tongue to be up within the dental arch to get its stabilization and mobilization above the horizontal midline of the mouth, up within the dental arch. And if that lingual frenum does not allow that, if it tethers it too much and the tongue can't elevate, then, you know, the tongue may not be able to do what it needs to do regarding stabilization mobilization. Char Beauchard here. True story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh-uh. 
The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove two hours to get there, two hours to get home, and now I have to file an appeal? I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of SpeechTherapyPD.com? She said, no. I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, they're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no. Their plans start at $89 a year, for heaven's sake. And then I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com has scheduled a CEU cruise next summer to Italy and Greece. Woohoo! She said, okay, I'm looking them up right now. And so should you. SpeechTherapyPD.com. Check them out. Tell your friends. You'll be glad you did. Regarding heart tissue, you have the palatal vault, which is sometimes quite high, which may impact the stabilization mobilization placement, and also the dental arch. Well, as we alluded to earlier, the width of that dental arch can impact the ability of that tongue to elevate and get its stabilization and interact with the alveolar ridge and the soft palate and so on. So that width is super critical. Now, I have seen dental arches that are really narrow, and I've also seen dental arches that are really wide, where a child cannot get bilateral stabilization. And when that happens, you're only recourse is to try and get a centered tongue with that tongue stabilizing on the perimeter of the palate. That's your only recourse. You can't just swing the tongue off to one side and get stabilization on one side. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a lateral S. Now, if that dental arch is too narrow, then your only recourse is to try and get stabilization on the cusps uh, rather than on the sides of the teeth. Continuing on with hard tissue, uh, there may be some dental issues. Now, I have a little phrase that I like to use, and that is teeth tell. And teeth will move if there is adequate, consistent pressure pushing against them. So if you have an anterior open bite, you know, there may have been something there that inhibited appropriate anterior dental occlusion so that the front teeth separated vertically over the long haul, like a thumb or fingers. Uh, if you have an overjet, same thing. Also, the culprit may be excessive use of a pacifier, or maybe tongue resting position. Um, I've also seen individuals, very few thankfully, that suck their tongue and they suck their tongue inside of their mouth and also on the outside of their mouth so that it's moving horizontally and that can impact adverse pressure against teeth. In regards to habits like thumb sucking, I like to look at that thumb sucking and not just have an all or nothing, but look at the frequency, duration, force, and position of that thumb or fingers. And, uh, you know, the greater frequency and duration and so on, typically the greater impact it has on the hard tissue. 
And when a thumb or fingers is chronically in the mouth, it, it quotes, nails the tongue to the floor of the mouth and perpetuates anterior-posterior tongue movements and can inhibit vertical tongue positioning where that tongue is not elevating up to the roof of the mouth but maintaining a more midline operating zone position. Okay. <laughs> also, I didn't talk about breathing, but if you have nasal obstruction, obviously that's going to impact resting positions, which is going to impact tongue positioning and the acquiring of stabilization, mobilization, and so on. So, you know, part of this is just plain logic. All right, let's move into therapy. Here we go. Now, to begin, I would like to answer the question of the day, and that is, are the same techniques used to remediate a lateral S and a frontal S? And my answer is basically yes. But the emphasis that I put on the sections is going to be different. Like, if I'm working on a lateral S, I am really going to work on awareness of the sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth because that's a huge piece that's missing. And please notice, I use the term awareness, awareness, because a lot of times, as we said, that tongue is resting up on top. So it's not a positional issue. It's more of a lateral margin stabilization use issue. In other words, is the child able to feel that and anchor the sides of the teeth while generating mid-tongue contraction and front-tongue vertical movement? So I really focus on side-tongue, side-teeth awareness. Just overdo it, okay? I start from day one, you know, of emphasizing lateral margin awareness on the side teeth. Let me just briefly and quickly tell you how I recommend doing that. It involves direct contact of a therapy tool on the sides of the tongue and the perimeter of the palate and the sides of the teeth. Direct contact. Here, feel this. Feel the sides of your tongue. Feel the sides of your teeth. Now put them there. I recommend using a therapy tool, maybe a tongue depressor, where you spray flavored spray called Two Tarts, T-O-O-T-A-R-T-S. You can get that through Amazon. And you just spray that on the tongue depressor. I suggest doing one side at a time where you start in the back of the tongue on the sides and stroke to the front, stroke to the front, do it twice. And then on the same side, up on top, the perimeter of the palate and on the sides of the teeth, stroke back to front, back to front. And then the other side, tongue, back to front, back to front, perimeter of the palate and, and side teeth, back to front, back to front. And then have them close their eyes, bite their teeth together, and match. Put the sides of the tongue on the sides of the teeth. Now, you can do it where you just stroke one side, both the tongue and the teeth, and then have them bite teeth together and just feel that one side, and then do the other side. It just depends on what the child needs. And what you're doing is applying sensory input. And you're saying, here, I want to localize these areas for you. Rather than just saying, I want you to put the sides of your tongue and the sides of your teeth. Some kids can actually feel that and comply with that direction, but a lot of kids can't. Some need that tactile input and guidance. Now, I do want to emphasize, this is not what I call fancy sound stem. This is not, here, stroke, 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 stroke. Now put your tongue up there. Now say, s. 
Now, you know, with that said, there's going to be some child, you do that, and lo and behold, the kid gets a good S. But it's not a magic bullet. Some kids need the extra training on how to generate mid-tongue contraction, how to generate front-tongue vertical movement, and how to hold all of that while air courses through. Again, every child is different, so just do what the child needs. I call it capability-based therapy. Continuing on in the therapy vein, I would like to talk a little bit about uh, some things that I have done in the past and perhaps some things that you have done or you do and just discuss them a bit. Uh, Some sound stem kinds of things. The sound stem is just that and sound stem pretty much relies on just the auditory input. Here, honey, hear this sound. Now say it. Take a look at my mouth. Think about how that sounds and now replicate that. I know sometimes that works with some kids, but certainly not always. Another popular technique is biting teeth together and having the child then say the sound. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Biting teeth together, according to my analysis, is providing the child a way to stabilize their mouth. Okay, instead of asking them to stabilize with the sides of their tongue and the sides of their teeth, we're saying, here, bite your teeth together and hold on tight and make an S sound. The problem is sometimes the child doesn't get their tongue in the right placement, and you still kind of hear that sort of inconsistent sound with the back of that tongue against the back of the front teeth. And that certainly isn't where we want it. We don't want it at the horizontal midline. We want that tongue up within the dental arch, of course, stabilizing appropriately and mobilizing appropriately. So biting teeth together may be a nice temporary method to try and give that child a sense of stabilization, but it may not go anywhere. Um, Again, it may for some kids, (laughs) and I'm big on do what works, but I'm also big on having options. I like therapy options. Another popular uh, technique is to ask the child to smile. And I think what's happening here is that it's kind of encouraging some lingual contraction and also perhaps helping the tongue to move back. As the lips are moving back, the tongue may comply and move back as well. Uh, This may be helpful. It may or may not be a sure thing. Again, do what works. I would encourage you to think about how your stem technique is impacting the inside of the mouth and the stabilization placement and so on. Kids that are having difficulty and doing frontals and laterals are not just magically going to find lateral margin stabilization, mid-tongue contraction, and front-tongue vertical movement. (laughs) It just doesn't tend to happen. You know, if the child is truly developmental, Yeah, it just may happen, you know, where you stem the sound and you do some stimming techniques and whoa, the kid gets it. But some kids just need that direct instruction of where to put their tongue, how to contract it, how to hold it, and when to add the airflow. So I want to share some of these techniques with you. How to build oral capability as it leads to good S placement from a frontal from a lateral. Now, we talked about awareness, calling attention to the sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth. That is a super critical piece. 
And I want to emphasize that that is not just a one-shot technique. I would encourage you to look at it as a process, a capability-building process, adding layer upon layer upon layer, rather than, here, let's do this technique and get the sound and try to put it into words, phrases, and sentences. What sometimes happens is that if the child doesn't have appropriate stabilization and mobilization, then it doesn't work, and it doesn't carry over in words, phrases, sentences, and conversation. Let's get into some of the other components. You still have your mid-tongue contraction, and you still have front-tongue vertical movement, and then putting it all together. There's a couple of others, but for now, let's just focus on those components. Generating a tongue bowl requires good lingual tonicity. Now, good lingual tonicity is abstract. You cannot measure tone. You can measure muscle strength. You can measure muscle endurance, but you cannot measure tone. But nonetheless, you still have to have the muscle capability to generate mid-tongue contraction. And I really do want to make sure that I remember why I'm doing this is to generate front tongue vertical movement. Take a small tongue depressor, ask the child to open his or her mouth, and do tippy-tap on the central portion of the tongue. And encourage the child to contract that area and to get a little dippity-doo in their tongue. Now, again, this is not fancy sound stem. I'm not saying here, get a tongue bowl and now immediately say an S. Keep in mind, this is a process. <laughs> We're just building the capability. So do it and do it and do it. And I'm talking about over a matter of a week to two weeks so that the child has built in the capability to do this. Now, I want to put that mid-tongue contraction to use. If you have access to something called a toothette, the toothette, if you're not familiar, is nothing more than sponge on a stick, okay? And you can get it on Amazon or a couple of other places, but you want the untreated toothette. You don't want the toothette that has the dentifrice in it because then when you're poking around in the mouth, you get foam, and that's certainly not going to work. So untreated toothette. I don't know of any other way to do this other than with a toothette. Place the sponge of the toothette on the front surface of the child's tongue and then bite down on the stick and ask that child's tongue to squeeze up into the sponge so that you're generating mid-tongue contraction and you're getting front-tongue vertical movement. And they're compressing into, against and into, that sponge. So they have to work to do that. Hopefully as they're working, they feel their muscles contracting, have them close their eyes, focus and feel, so that they can feel that front tongue moving vertically up and down. Do it, do it, do it. Do it for a week, maybe two, maybe three. Build in the capability. Okay, we've talked about awareness of the sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth. We've talked a little bit about generating mid-tongue contraction and front-tongue vertical movement. There is something that I would like to specifically emphasize for the frontal S. When you have a child whose tongue is low in the mouth and moving on the anterior-posterior horizontal plane, a lot of times when you ask that child to pull his or her tongue back, 
what happens is the front part of that tongue retracts or accordionizes. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Where they just pull that front back, but the base or the back of the tongue remains where it is, okay? It doesn't pull back. So that front is just retracting, but not the whole tongue. And that's certainly not going to work. I've seen it where I ask the child, okay, honey, pull your tongue back. And they just sort of just crank that front back, just bend it back. And then, you know, here's saying S and it sounds funny and it doesn't stay because the whole tongue doesn't retract back, just part of it. So what do you do? I do a task that emphasizes just using, accessing and using the back tongue muscles and pulling that whole tongue back. And I really want them to find the muscles, number one, and number two, to do it intentionally. And that they can tell the difference between pulling the whole tongue back and then just sort of scrunching the front part back. The task is nothing more than sticking the tongue out and then pulling it way back keeping the mouth open, doing it in front of a mirror so that they can see and you're getting big forward tongue movement and then backward tongue movement, posterior movement. And I want them to see it and feel it. Have them put their hand underneath their throat area so that they can feel when their tongue retracts back. So they can see in the mirror their tongue going way far forward and then pull it way far back and they'll be able to see and feel the base of the tongue retracting back and landing way down in their throat. So way out, way in. Do I care if that tongue is tight? No, I don't. I'm just focusing on anterior, posterior tongue movements and encouraging the child to become aware (laughs) and to initiate that and feel when that back tongue is moving and when it isn't. Now, let's put the components together. Lateral margin stabilization, mid-tongue contraction, and front tongue vertical movement. And then we're also going to add airflow and anterior dental approximation. All right. This first task illustrates lateral margin stabilization. Ask the child to stand up, go over and stand inside a doorway. Have them put both of their hands up on the door jamb. Push laterally against the door jamb and then move or rock their body. Okay, this simulates lateral margin stabilization and front tongue vertical movement. Have them sit down. Next. Have them put their tongue up on top and feel the sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth and push gently laterally against the sides of the teeth with the tongue. Hold in place. Now have them do what's called small tongue tip lifts without sound, where the sides of the tongue are holding on for dear life to the side teeth and the front part of the tongue is doing a tongue wave so that that little front tongue is moving up and down ever so slightly, via mid-tongue contraction, of course. Do that several times, over a week to two weeks, and then move into small tongue tip lifts with sound, which in essence, we're asking the child to make a T, a T sound. But I ask them to do small tongue tip lifts with sound, okay? Because if I ask them to do T's, I might end up with a horizontal tongue T where that tongue is moving back and forth and horizontally and interacting with the back of the front teeth, which I definitely don't want. Or I might get a jaw-driven T 
where that jaw is initiating the up-down movement of the tongue. And we certainly don't want that. So I'm asking the child to do a small tongue tip lift with sound. The sides of the tongue are anchored on the insides of the top back teeth. The mid-tongue is contracting in order to generate little nitty-bitty up-down movements with the tongue in the front and producing some little nitty-bitty T's. Practice that for a week, maybe two. Then move into adding sustained airflow. Where you're hanging on to the insides of the top back teeth, the front part's lowering ever so slightly. Mid-tongue is contracting, of course. Then you add the airflow and then add the jaw piece where the jaw lowers just a teeny tiny little bit, rotates forward in order to approximate those front teeth. And the air courses through the tip of the tongue and the alveolar ridge and the front teeth. And there you have an S. You have an S with all the parts and pieces where you have totally focused on the components and then you've put the components together to make sure and ensure that you have a really good stabilized, mobilized S, a consistent S that the child can do where that production will fit nicely into co-articulated speech. Now, before we totally wrap up here, there are a couple of things that I really do want to emphasize that I feel that must be included for effective S therapy. And this first one is just a definite therapy strategy that must be included for frontal S's. Most frontal S kids that I have seen, in fact, I can't even think of one where this was not true. Most maintain a low tongue resting position. Therefore, their tongue is at the horizontal midline, not up within the dental arch so that they can easily and consistently access the stabilization, mobilization, mid-tongue contraction, and the front-tongue vertical movement. (laughs) You're going to know that by now. The key to changing the tongue's operating zone is changing the tongue's resting position. I can't emphasize that enough. Wherever the lips, tongue, and jaw rest is where they work. And if you have a child and you've been working like crazy to try and generate consistent carryover and the kid can actually do some really good S's and words, phrases, sentences, and occasionally in conversation in your therapy, but as soon as the kid hits the door to head out into the hallway, it's like it leaves. The kid doesn't do it. It just becomes non-existent. And I know that is just so very frustrating. Try changing the child's oral resting posture. Wherever the lips, tongue, and jaw rest is where they work. It establishes the operating zone, the consistency of operating within a new location in the mouth instead of the tongue being low and moving horizontally. We want it up within the dental arch and moving vertically. The second thing that I want to emphasize here is doing sensory assists. I'm huge on giving as many forms of sensory input to that child that I can so that they will become aware not only of what they're doing, but what is required of their mouth. 
not only showing them with a mirror, but also showing them proprioceptively. Have the child close his or her eyes and focus on their mouth, focus on the focus and feel, (laughs) so that they sense what's going on inside of their mouth. That really is the first stepping stone to self-monitoring, okay? Once the child says the sound, it's, you know, it's auditory, obviously, and it's gone. I want them monitoring at the oral level before and during while they are actually saying the sound, not just monitoring it after they say the sound to make a determination if they did it correct or not. So I want to provide as many forms of sensory input as possible, visual, auditory, proprioceptive, tactile. I want to bring in as many therapy tools as I can and say, hey, this is the part of your tongue that needs to touch here, or this is the part of your tongue that needs to tighten, or this is the part of your tongue that needs to move, because kids don't know. And their speech development didn't happen appropriately. So we have to pull out all the stops to help them so that they can develop good speech now. Okay. As we wrap up here, I just want to thank you so much for all the work that you do with your kids, for your dedication with your kids. They're very fortunate to have you. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening and being willing to listen to this and branch out and add additional strategies and techniques and approaches to your therapy regime. And I want to mention that I do have a website. Uh, You can get there a couple of different ways, charboshart.com, C-H-A-R-B-O-S-H-A-R-T.com, or speechdynamics.com. And if you would like more information on S or R or other articulation errors, feel free to check out the articles that's there. And then also, I encourage you, if you are interested, then um, go to my website and sign up for my weekly blog. It's called Therapy Matters. And of course, avail yourself of the videos, my videos, and hundreds of other presenters' videos at speechtherapypd.com. Darla Torkelson is the owner and the director of that company. She's a speech-language pathologist and a great gal, and she has amassed an amazing group of therapists, very practical, very therapy-oriented. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on The Speech Link. Hey, Busy SLP, Char Beauchart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week, become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at charbochart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it, at charboshart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charboshart.com and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then... Thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well and God bless.